Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody and welcome to episode nine of intermittent fasting stories i am so glad to have you here with us today and today i'm here with sherry sherry is from alabama so she's a southerner just like me at this time anyway sherry you're not born and bred southern are you i am not i'm a transplant <laughs> she's a transplanted southerner that's right well sherry works in healthcare, and she is a former weight watchers leader who found intermittent fasting in 2015 and has never looked back so welcome sherry Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, I'm really glad to have you. Sherry is somebody that I have met in person more than one time. We didn't ever know each other in person, just we met through the Facebook groups. And she went on the first Delay Don't Deny cruise in June, and it was just delightful to get to know Sherry. And actually, before we even went on that cruise, I knew that she and I were going to be great friends. So I said, hey, on the second cruise, you want to be my roommate? So... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sherry is just an awesome person, and I'm glad to talk to you today about intermittent fasting. Yeah, what can I share with um, everybody? Because you know, this is my passion as much as it's yours. And Absolutely. I just want to help get the word out and dispel any myths and make this easy for people. Well, I like to start by asking how you found intermittent fasting. You know, what brought you to intermittent fasting? Obviously, as I hinted at in the introduction, you were a Weight Watchers leader. So I know that you had a history with dieting. So what brought you to intermittent fasting? And tell us that part of your story. So the long and short of it is my whole life has been Weight Watchers. I first started Weight Watchers in seventh grade at an after-school program. Wow. They had an after-school program for kids. They did. In my junior high, we met. There was probably 12 of us. We stayed late one day a week. And there was like a local Weight Watchers leader that came to the school and did our meetings with us and our weigh-ins there. Can I just say I have I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> I'm going to keep those in my head right now, but oh my gosh, seventh grade. Knowing what I know now, being such a more informed faster, because that's how I identify myself now, I have a lot of thoughts about that. I think there are some good and there's some bad when you start out that young in that you are very nutrition aware. So I am lucky in that I can say I have never had more than 45 pounds to lose in my entire adult life. I was always able to identify where I was slipping and get a handle on it. So throughout my life, anytime I put on some weight after each child or the death of my brother, of course, there's grief. I always had Weight Watchers kind of in my arsenal to go back to, and I was always successful with it until I wasn't. And that is what happened to me. I moved from Colorado to Alabama in 2014. And when I lived in Colorado, I was a very, very active person. I constantly was hiking, biking, working out, walking the trails, you name it. I was constantly outside moving. Part of that was I had to, in order to keep my weight at my maintenance weight. When you're a Weight Watchers leader, you weigh in every month. And if you do not hit your goal weight, you don't lead that month. So you have to stay within a range of how many pounds? Two pounds. Oh my gosh. Yes. My life was maintaining my goal weight. That was like my whole life centered around that. So everything I did, if I needed to go to the store, I walked to the store. I rode my bike to the store. My son and I wanted to go get an ice cream cone. We would walk up to the custard shop to do that. We didn't take the car. I didn't take the car anywhere. And then I moved to Alabama and I live in a pretty rural area and we don't even have sidewalks in our town. So you can't walk anywhere. I also used to bike. There's no biking trails here. So my whole activity level changed as well as my work changed, my commute changed. I now commute 70 miles one way to work. I do work in healthcare. I work 12 hour shifts. So that daily activity disappeared. And in the first year that I lived here, I put on about 42 pounds. And the frustrating part was I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do from a Weight Watcher standpoint. I was counting my points. I was staying in my daily points. I was staying in my weekly points. I would eat less than my weekly points. I would do everything that I would have coached one of my members to do. I was doing and my weight just kept going up and up and up. I got married in 2015. And it was really those pictures, looking at my wedding pictures, I was so embarrassed and ashamed at where I had landed. 
I get kind of choked up talking about that. I can hear that in your voice, Sherry. And I think a lot of us have moments like those that are kind of like turning points in our lives where we felt like we were doing everything, quote, right. You know, everything we had been taught to do that, you know, from the diet industry, and yet our weight was spiraling out of control. I remember when that happened to me, my husband said to me one day, oh man, this hurt. He said, you're beefing up a little bit. And I was like, yeah, but it was was something I felt like I couldn't control. And then in photos, it just, you don't even recognize yourself. Is that kind of how it felt? Oh yeah. I mean, like I knew that I had put on weight, but there's something about like that photo, you're seeing it from a different perspective. And I was just like, oh my gosh, is that me? And my face was puffy and bloated. And I mean, I literally cried when I saw my wedding photos. And my husband, when he first met me, he thought I was too thin. So (laughs) he's like, no, you look beautiful. You look great. But I was so mortified. That wasn't the me I was comfortable with. And so I really was like, there's got to be a solution. And I was at that point of desperation where I've never been an advocate for diet pills or drinks or whatever. I have always felt like you can take care of that naturally just through nutrition and diet and exercise. Somehow I got linked up with her. I can't even really tell you how. She was selling some sort of diet drink that you drank twice a day and then you ate in an eight-hour window. And that was really the first time I ever heard about eating in windows. And they encouraged the people who ordered this drink to read this book called The 8-Hour Diet. And I know one of your other guests touched on The 8-Hour Diet book. And so I read that and that was what I knew about fasting. And that was it. I started dabbling in it in probably October of 2015 and kind of had to wrap my brain around it a little bit. I'm a researcher, so I want to know all the facts and, you know, are there, are there any cons to this or whatever? So in November of 2015, November 19th was the day. It's my son's birthday, so I was able, I'm able to remember that. I was just like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I chose that day. I jumped in. And I can tell you, honestly, since November 19th, 2015, I have never had a day that I did not fast. I know that feels... Fabulous, doesn't it? Just to know that you, it's been three years now and you have just stuck to it. And it just feels so natural to me now. Now, I could say I was not fasting, though, for those first 20 months because I clean fasting was not something I had even heard of until I heard of you. So, this is a great story. I love this story. It's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> stories. Well, So living in Alabama, I don't know a lot of people here. And the people I know, I just know through work and working in healthcare, there's still that very much calories in, calories out. But when I started telling people what I was doing, they really thought I was just absolutely crazy. And I actually, like I do your book, was loaning out my eight hour diet book to people at work and they would pass it back to me with a thanks, but that's not for me. And I just sort of felt alone. And after about 18 months of fasting just on my own with no support, I started kind of looking for some outside support system because I was tired of feeling like the outcast. So I found Jen's group and I started reading through it. And she was talking about clean fasting and that I could not have my beloved stevia in my coffee or my 
you know, random diet Dr. Pepper in my window. So I left this group. I'm like, these people are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm out. See, that part cracks me up. You came, you looked around, you're like, no, thank you. (laughs) You left. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I laugh so hard at myself now because I was just like, yeah, whatever. No. There's, there's absolutely nothing to this. I had also joined a couple other fasting groups at the same time. And so I would go over there and be like, hey, this group is saying this. What do you think? And for the most part, people are like, though, that's not true. Now, occasionally you would get a person who would be like, oh, no, that's absolutely true. There was enough of a little seed planted in my brain from the stuff I'd read on the Delay, Don't Deny Facebook group. And then some of these other people who, for all I know, are delayed on and I members as well, uh, who were trying to also spread seeds in other groups. There was just something about it. I had read The Fast Five by then. And of course, Dr. Herring in The Fast Five didn't really talk about clean fasting. And I thought, he's a doctor and he didn't tell me to fast clean. So I'm good. But something just really stuck in my head. And I started doing some my own research. And then I started finding that maybe there was something to it. And so then I ordered Delay, Don't Deny, read it July 4th, which was my wedding anniversary, 2017. I reapplied to Delay, Don't Deny. I have never looked back. I mean, I've never, ever, I've clean fasted since July 4th of 2017. And it makes all the difference in the world. So can you explain the difference? Since you have that time, 20 months that you did it alone without the clean fasting, and then you switched over in July of 2017, can you compare those two different experiences? I had reached my original goal weight with the dirty fasting, but I was still white knuckling it to a 16-hour fast every day. I was still very much clock watching and counting down that last 30 minutes till I could eat. My focus was still very much on hunger and eating. I wasn't ready to ditch the fasting. I just kept thinking, is this ever going to get easier? The funny part is, is that when I actually came on to the late on and I, and I read your book and you talk about how you do one meal a day, I thought even then, and I had 20 months of fasting under my belt that there's no way I would ever, ever do one meal a day. That's crazy. I can't barely get to 16 hours. But within about, and I have to say, when I switched from dirty fasting to clean fasting, I had to go through the whole, almost like I was a brand new faster. I still had that transition period. I still got to week three where I had that energy slump and the brain fog and My body was definitely still trying to exhaust some glycogen stores there. And I truly believe it's because I never clean fasted up until then. I went through the same exact thing. I tell this story in Delay, Don't Deny, but I was, I didn't know about not having stevia during the fast until I read the obesity code and heard what Dr. Jason Fung thought about insulin. That was all brand new to me. And so at that point, you know, I gave up the stevia and it's amazing how the fasting changed. Just like you said, I was no longer white knuckling it. I was no longer watching the clock. I could fast longer. It wasn't all about when is my window going to open? So it's just an amazing difference. 
Right. And so I immediately went to a 19.5. Like once I kind of got through that transition period and then suddenly I was like, wow, I'm not starving all day anymore. I had read the Fast Five and I thought, you know, I think I'm going to switch to the Fast Five because I had put on a little bit of weight after hitting my goal weight with the dirty fasting. I was still struggling to maintain my goal weight. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go to 19.5 and see if I can't get off, you know, these few pounds that I've put back on. And it's funny because when I joined Delay Don't Deny and I started following the clean fast philosophy, I actually gained eight pounds. And this is funny because eight pounds seems to be my rebound weight or something. When I immediately started fasting from counting points, I gained eight pounds. When I went to clean fasting, I gained eight pounds. When I added workouts back into my routine, I gained eight pounds. The difference with fasting is I don't stress out about that eight pounds. I'm like, okay, well, it's going to come back off because I'm fasting. And it always does. It is just something my body does when I throw something new at it. Well, I have to commend you for sticking with it after, you know, most people would be like, well, she's not only wrong about the clean fasting, talking about, you know, me and my group. (laughs) Not only is she wrong about it, but I've gained eight pounds since I started doing it. So she's like just a moron. Why do I want to do this? So I'm very proud of you for sticking with it, you know, because a lot of people wouldn't. They'd be like, forget this. I've gained eight pounds and they would not realize that's part of their process and that's going to come back off? Well, to me, at this point in my life, this is the only option for me because I know what calorie counting and counting points does to me and my metabolism. And I know how I feel and I know what it's like to eat nothing but dry salad and be hungry 24 hours a day and to have to work out four hours a day so that you can enjoy two slices of pizza and a beer at dinner. And I never, ever want to go back to that again. So fasting, that is my answer. And it's like, I'm going to make this work. Does that make sense? Yes, I gained some weight, but every time I do something, and I also know that what we do is not immediate. So we're not going to see the results of our actions for some time down the road. So When I made the commitment to fast in the first place, I said, I'm going to do this for six months and then see where I'm at. And then when I went to clean fasting, I said, I'm going to give this 90 days. And if I don't see a difference in 90 days, but by God, I'm going back to my stevia and my coffee. But by six weeks in, the weight had come back off and was continuing to go down. And by October of last year, my goal weight, I actually moved my goal weight down about nine pounds. And so my current weight is actually less than my Weight Watchers leader weight, but I am not having to fight tooth and nail to maintain that. See, I love it. That is the real difference. You know, just like you, I had this whole history of up and down weight gain and up and down. And if you stayed vigilant, you could keep it down. But the minute you like enjoyed yourself, the weight would go back up and it would just keep going up and up and up. So the fact that you are below your goal weight that you had to fight so hard for and you're not having to fight so hard for it anymore. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, does my weight still fluctuate? Yes. I know like you, you gave away your scale. Threw it in the trash. <laughs> that is something yeah. I have not been able to break with. I wish I could. I'm not there. I'm a big person. I'm 5'9". I'm just a 
big built person. I mean, you see pictures of you and I standing side by side and I look like a giant next to you, but you are not a short person really. Like I don't, what are you? Five, six, five, five. Okay. But like our builds are so different. So I'm only a couple inches taller than you, but I'm just a very large framed person compared to you. And so for me, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm a large person. That is something I struggle with. That's my own personal struggle is my size. See, and I think I think you're gorgeous. I mean, you're tall, like I said, but you're not, I don't be like, man, she's massive. No, it's not like that, <laughs> that kind of big, you know. <laughs> so, so for me, I have this constant fear that I'm going to put on 10 pounds and not notice it. And then I'm going to see a picture okay. and be like, oh my gosh, what happened? So I'm not controlled by the scale anymore. I no longer let it define my day. I no longer think, oh, the scale's up, so I'm going to eat nothing but salad for the next four days. Yeah, I have a much healthier relationship with the scale. And actually, you talking about doing your weekly averaging in your book was so helpful for me because I did, up until that point, really look at every single day's weight. Now I get on the scale, I actually have a smart scale and it connects to my phone and then it sends it to my happy scale app. And I don't even really look at it. I just jump on, let it record. I jump off. And then Mondays is my day that I really look at my happy scale app and I see, okay, what is my moving average doing? Am I holding steady? Have I, you know, gone up? What did I do last week? You know, did I overindulge last week? Okay. You know, what can I clean up? I also use my window app that your son made and I look and I'm like, okay, were my windows a little extra long last week or whatever? So I really do. I'm a data person. So I kind of take all that data and I assess what I've done and look to see if I need to make any behavioral changes. I think that's such a very healthy way to do it because you're not letting it make or break you and you're not overreacting or experiencing over-restrictive mindset issues as a result of those fluctuations. No, not at all. Where before that had the ability to shape my day and how I felt about myself. And now I'm just like, now it's just a number. It's just a piece of data that I put into the whole big equation. And I think I would probably still be weighing if I could do that, but I was not able to do that. Maybe if I had just kept weighing all along, I would be okay with it by now. It would shape my whole day. So I knew I had to stop. If I saw a, my weight jump up a few pounds, I would want to over-restrict. And it would send me down that spiral. And so I was like, no, I I just can't do it. For listeners, it's important to know yourself and what's the scale doing to you. And for me, it was trapping me in diet mindset where I I was like constantly panicked. You know, it was going to be too good to be true and my weight was going to go up and I was going to regain it all. Instead, I was like, no, I'm going to trust my body. I can't look at this scale anymore. And so it was just what I needed to get rid of it. Right. And I think we see that on the Facebook group a lot. The people that are like, I had two meals on Saturday and now I weighed and I'm three pounds up. Right. And now I'm going to do a a 94 bazillion year fast. (laughs) But right, you know, the whole like responsiveness to the weight and that you have to punish yourself because your weight went up and, and that's the wrong way to be. Well, because there's a bigger picture to it. There are so many factors. And I know logically that one day where I had two meals instead of one is not going to throw my weight up three pounds. You know, three pounds could be the extra volume of food, or maybe I ate out, maybe it's sodium, maybe it's constipation. I mean, there's so many factors into the weight. Yeah, one day's weight is not going to make or break me. 
I also want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago that I thought was so important. I wanted to make sure to reiterate it. Every time you adjusted something, you gave yourself time to see what it would do. You weren't like changing something every two days. You said, no, I'm going to try this clean fasting thing and I'm going to give it, I think you said, was it 90 days? 90 days is what I said for clean fasting. Yes. And you didn't give up on it. You gave yourself that time. You, you let it happen. Your weight jumped up. You didn't freak out. And then over that 90 days, you were very glad that you gave it time. You can't just cause an effect day to day. You know, it, it could be something, your weight could be up today because of something you did two days ago. And so you can't just say, oh, it's this thing right here. It could be something else entirely. It could be your time of the month. You know, it could be anything. Exactly. And I look at this, okay, this is life. We've got years, hopefully, left. So decades, we have decades left. Right. So I look at it as a long-term scientific experiment on myself. Like no legitimate scientific experiment is done in a 24-hour period and done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not on the human body. That's true. When you're talking about your metabolism and your weight and your hormones and, you know, all of that factored in, that is something that happens over time. That is calibrated. Your body recalibrates itself over time. It's not something that's going to happen in a week or two weeks or three weeks. It's ongoing. I believe fasting has given me that outlook. I'm so much more relaxed about everything relaxed about the food I eat, relaxed about the number on the scale, what size I am. I really just put all my faith into my daily fast and I expect my body to sort it out after that. Maybe I'll never be a size four. Maybe I'm not meant to be a size four. Am I healthy? You know, am I slim? Does my body move and function and feel good? Those are the things that are important to me now. I used to think I want to be on the cover of fitness magazine. Let's face it. I'm 45 years old. I'm never going to be on the cover of fitness magazine. So <laughs> it's okay. I've had a couple kids. I, you know, my body serves me well. I work long hours in the hospital and I'm able to move freely. I'm pretty free of aches and pains. I am strong. I can take care of my patients when they need me to take care of them and lift them and move them. And and that's the big picture for me. And I actually, this is something I don't even know that I've ever shared with you, Jen. I had a really bad injury in 2008 and I thought it might be career ending. I tore my pelvic ligaments moving a patient and I was out of work from August of 2008 until July of 2009. Lots and lots of rehab. And the result is I have a very unstable pelvis. And I used to go to a chiropractor sometimes twice a week. And even while I was fasting but not clean fasting, I was still going to a chiropractor at least once a week. Since I started clean fasting in July of 2017, I have been to a chiropractor. I could probably count it on both hands, maybe eight times in the last 15, 16 months. And I credit that to the clean fast and just decreased inflammation and just a healthier body. Yeah, that's incredible. We come for the, the weight loss. That's what brought me to fasting, but we stick around for the health benefits, right? Absolutely. 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Now, I want to shift gears just a minute. You've talked a a few times about shift work and that you work in healthcare. And so I know this is a topic that a lot of people struggle with, and that is how to arrange your fasting and eating window when you do have shift work or when your schedule isn't the same day to day. So I'd like for you to talk about that because I think it's really important. So I'm not going to say the way I do it is the way that's going to work for everybody, but this is what works for me. First of all, I'm not a very good person at waking up, and it doesn't matter whether it's 8 a.m. or 4 p.m. I do work night shifts. I work 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I also have about an hour and a half commute, so I leave my house about 5.30 in the evening. So I don't have the time nor the desire to eat before I go to work in the evening. I have to be up for several hours before I even start like stoking those hunger flames. So when I work... I normally break my fast around 10 or 11 o'clock at night with just a little snack. And then I usually try to get my full meal done by between 1 and 2 a.m. And I know there's a lot of people who don't want to eat at work because, you know, they think it makes them sleepy or whatever. I did notice that a little bit when I was first playing around with my windows. But over time, you just get used to it. I don't feel like I get the sleepies. I mean, at 3 a.m., you're sort of kind of sleepy anyway. So (laughs) tribute it to whether or not it's your normal 3 a.m. slump or if it's because I ate dinner slump. Normally, when I'm off work, have an evening window with my family. That's important to me. And so my normal window is like 5 to 8, 5 to 9-ish. And then on my first night back to work, I just push that window back. And so... 
I think there's a benefit to it too, in that I get an extra long fast one day a week. Luckily, my shifts run consecutively. So on my first night back, I push my window back and I end up getting usually around a 26 hour fast. And then I just have my normal window. And then I just keep that overnight window through my work week. And then my last night at work, I try to close it up sooner. I try to close it up by midnight because I am going to come home that day, take a little nap and then have dinner with my family that evening. So I do get a little bit shorter fast on my first night home. I try to hit 18 hours. Sometimes it's only 16. I'm very flexible with that. So on a day-to-day basis, my kind of general rule is that I fast 19 before breaking. That one day, it's okay to break early. I just think this is a great example of making it fit your lifestyle because you've got this routine that's different from most people's routine and you've figured out a way to to make it work and you're still getting, you get that longer fast one day a week and then a little shorter fast another day, but it all evens out, right? It does. And I hope it makes me a little bit more metabolically flexible in that I'm not locking into exact times, exact windows. I think it's good for your fasting muscle to, you know, push it every once in a while and and push yourself a little past your comfort zone and get that longer fast. And honestly, I've suggested this to a couple of people who come on and they're like, well, I work night shifts. I don't know what to do. So I have suggested this and they're like, oh, I don't know if I could go 26 hours. Well, honestly, I don't know anybody who goes into their job and they're not immediately busy right out of the gate. So I go to work and I'm flying busy and it's really not until I have my first sort of like everything's kind of caught up, my first slowdown that I kind of go, oh, I'm kind of hungry. So really, as long as you're busy and you are, you're working, you're really not focused on your hunger. You're focused on what you're there to do. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yesterday, I was really busy. We were recording the Intermittent Fasting Podcast with a special guest. So sometimes when we have guests, we record later. So I didn't get off the recording session until, gosh, about, it was like 7 p.m. before I could start cooking dinner. So I had, you know, a 24-hour fast in there and didn't get to eat dinner till 8 p.m. And I was busy. And I wasn't sitting there on that call thinking, I wish I could eat right now. <laughs> You know, it didn't, even, didn't right. even cross my mind. I was busy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like, you know, new fasters say, oh, I don't know what to do. I just sit there and I'm hungry. And I always say, well, don't just sit there. Get busy. Like, go do something. And, you know, for me, that something is I'll go do, you know, 30 minutes of yoga or I have an indoor trampoline. It's a rebounder. I'll go jump on that for a little while or I'll start cleaning out a closet or whatever. Just do something that engages your mind and your body. And it's really funny because sometimes your hunger just absolutely fades away when you're busy and you're just not focused on it. The whole idea that we talk about that hunger comes in waves and it'll come, you'll feel this wave of what we think of as hunger, but it's not like that kind of hunger from, I think back to my old dieting days when I ate throughout the day, that was a different kind of hunger. That was like, I got to eat right now kind of hunger versus the mild wave that now that we're talking about it, I just had a mild wave of hunger out of my body. It's like, okay, I'm going to show you. But but it goes away and it passes and it's not an emergency. And it's not like you're having to, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you used to have to white knuckle it. It's not like that anymore. 
Oh, for sure. And even when I did 16-8 and I was dirty fasting, I know if my husband and I were like out in downtown or whatever, and we're out running errands and it got to be two o'clock in the afternoon, I was ravenous. And I was, pull this car over right now. I have to eat. It has been 16 hours and 10 minutes and I'm starving. Now I can't tell you how many times I do use my fasting apps and I do get an alert on my phone that tells me, you know, my fast is up. But so many times I'll be like, huh, I wonder if my fast ended. And I look at my phone and it's like, your fast ended two hours and 10 minutes ago. It's just one of those things that you're just like, oh, huh, I didn't even notice. And I know that sounds, you know, kind of crazy to people who don't live that. But that gnawing, I've got to eat something right now, hunger. That is not something I experience very often anymore. Yeah, we hear that from people who have been doing intermittent fasting for a long time. And really at the beginning, when your body is adjusting to intermittent fasting, you are going to feel like that because your body is not used to tapping into your fat stores. You're not, you know, maybe you don't have the fat burning enzymes built up yet. There are many reasons why you might not be able to, you know, you might feel hungrier at the beginning when you're first starting off, but, you know, trust us, you know, it does get better. You may have to not fast as long at first. Yeah. And, you know, some people say, does this hunger ever go away? I have hunger every day. I'm hungry right now. Is it I have to eat something right now hunger? No, it's just sort of that kind of annoying, kind of hanging in the background. My stomach reminds me now and then that it's empty. But it's not like overpowering hunger where I'm uncomfortable. And I used to have that all the time before when I was eating, you know, a traditional breakfast time and then having a mid-morning snack and then lunch. I mean, I was hungrier then throughout the day than I am now. So that's the thing. People may be listening and thinking, oh, well, you're having to be hungry. But I cannot express how much more hungry I used to be when I was eating in a more typical, you know, six meal a day pattern. So you're breaking these five or six meals down into these little tiny 200 calorie snacks or 100 calorie snacks in the middle between your meals or whatever, you just never get that satisfied hearty meal in either, which I think really helps so much in quieting that hunger. Yeah, I think we're meant to eat satisfying meals. Like we are meant to eat until our bodies say, you've had enough food. We're not meant to be constantly having to stop ourselves before we're ever satisfied. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, prior to fasting too, eating was stressful to me. Constantly like, oh, can I eat this? Am I going to go over? Okay, well, I can have the baked potato, but I can't have any butter on it. And I can have one tablespoon of sour cream. I mean, (laughs) I don't do that anymore. I just make good food and I eat good food and I have turned into a noisy eater. I am that person that moans and groans. And (laughs) I love that. Yeah. My husband sometimes looks at me and he's like, is it good? And I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Eating is now essential experience for me. I really think it's supposed to be. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't feel that way about it. You know, we're not supposed to live a Spartan life of dry potatoes and (laughs) (laughs) plain dry chicken breast. No. (laughs) So, yeah. So how have have your tastes in food changed? I know you're eating foods that you used to be afraid of, but have you embraced any foods you didn't used to like? Okay, I didn't used to ever like Brussels sprouts at all. And for some reason, 
Um, I think actually I used the meal delivery plated and home chef and those. I think I accidentally forgot to change my meal preference one week and I ended up with a meal with Brussels sprouts, which I would have never, ever voluntarily ordered and tried. But I went ahead and cooked them and I thought, wow, these aren't too bad. So I once heard something, I don't know if there's any truth to it or whatever, that you have to taste something 13 times before your brain actually develops a liking for it, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure I like chocolate the first time I ever tasted it. <laughs> so I kept thinking I just need to re-expose myself to it. And so I would order it a couple more times, a couple more times. And then I now I'm to the point where I'm kind of like, I think I could eat those. And then I got to tell you, we waited a delay, don't deny dinner in Atlanta last month. And one of our other members ordered Brussels sprouts and she was sitting next to me and she offered me some. And by the end of the night, I think I ate 85% of her Brussels sprouts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same way with Brussels sprouts. I could not eat them, but we had them the other night in, in one of our meals. It was like a Brussels sprouts with carrots and goat cheese. It was so good. Yeah. And see, like I'll buy the little shredded salad mixes that have kale and Brussels sprouts and stuff in it. And then I always toss the insides out of the toppings and dressings. I toss them out and make my own usually. I would have never done that. I was a straight spinach or romaine girl. And, you know, now I'm eating a lot more greens. Um, Not that I was afraid of vegetables before. I just didn't venture outside of the kind of typical broccoli, green beans, and cauliflower. I have figured out that for me personally, I had a lot of dry rice back in the olden days. For me personally, I can't eat rice anymore. It makes me ravenously hungry. And I've tried cooking it different ways with fat, with butter, with cheese, with you name it. I just can't eat it. And so that's fine. There's so many other things I can eat instead of rice. So I avoid it. I mean, could I eat it? Sure, I could. But I'm going to be hungry later. And the next day's fast is going to be hard. And so I just I choose not to eat it. There's other things I could eat instead that are satisfying to me. This is really an important point that I want to drive home. And that is, I talk about this in Feast Without Fear. There's research, I think Dr. Seagal is his name. They're doing some research on how our bodies respond differently to foods. You know, we've all heard about the glycemic index and every food is given a number, like it's set in stone, like the glycemic index for white rice is this number here, and that is how it affects your body. But they're actually finding through research that we have individualized responses. And so one person may have a response to white rice, like you, that is very different than the response someone else will have to white rice. And so it's really more of a, you need to figure out what your body does with certain foods instead of, you know, you could say, gosh, white rice is a food no one should eat, but really that's a food that doesn't work for you. But that doesn't mean someone else might not have a totally different response to it. I think that's really important. Right. And I think you'll get a lot of people who will be like, oh, well, of course, because it's straight carbs. Well, I mean, I can eat a slice of cheesecake and I'm not going to be hungry and I'm not going to be hungry tomorrow. Or I could eat a big bowl of ice cream. I can eat pasta noodles. Those don't bother me. Yeah, that's what they found in their research. They found that some people would have a huge response to like white bread. And everybody's like, well, of course, duh, it's white bread. But then other people would not have that response to white bread. And instead, they would have response to ice cream, whereas somebody else wouldn't. So it's like the more that they are digging into how individual we are, the more we're realizing 
oh, we really, we really are different. And so it's important to pay attention to how we feel. You know, they're doing some testing with that. People are doing individualized. I would love to get one. I haven't gone down this rabbit hole yet, but you get like a, a continual blood glucose monitor and you can see how different things make your blood glucose swing. I think it would be fascinating. One day I'm probably going to do it. A friend of mine who's a doctor, he'll sometimes send me his, you know, he likes, he has one. He likes to see what it does. You know, you really do see how your body responds because if you eat something and it immediately sends your blood glucose through the roof, that's a sign it might not be working well for you. Right. And I think that's one of the great things about the Delay Don't Deny Facebook group is that we really do encourage everybody to eat what makes them feel good. Because you don't feel well if you ate a six-ounce steak. I feel amazing with a six-ounce steak. Give me a steak any day of the week. I'm a happy girl. But, you know, I don't do well with chicken. We're all so different. So it's so hard for me when people are like, oh, you must eat this or you must eat that or you need to cut out all your carbs because, like you, carbs make you feel amazing. So you have to be open. And that is something I was not for a long time. I just had these rules over what was good food and what was bad food. And you always avoid bad food and you only eat good food. Well, let me tell you, my list of foods I could eat was about a third as long as my list of foods I couldn't eat. And it was really reading your book, Feast Without Fear, that I really looked at the data you presented and I thought, you know, I need to give up some of this and I just need to try to start incorporating some of these foods that I have made off limits in my brain. And when I did that, I mean, cooking with butter and cream and (laughs) that was like so new for me. And maybe that's why food tastes so good to me now. And, you know, I have tried with some foods that where I'm like, yeah, no, I don't feel real great when I eat that or I noticed my next day fast was not good. If you really pay attention to what you eat, you can really kind of discern what foods support your energy and your sleep and your fast the next day and which ones just don't support you. It's not so much a, I can't have this. It becomes a, I choose not to have this. Now see, that's powerful. That shift right there, you don't tell yourself that you're deprived and that you can't have it. You literally don't want it. You don't want to have rice because you know how you'll feel. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm not a keto person. Some people think I might be. I am just that person that I'm always going to be driven to meat and vegetables because that makes my body feel good. And you're rarely going to see me eat a roll like you do at dinner. You're ne- probably never going to see me eat rice unless there's just nothing else on the table. And that's just my preference. I don't say I eat this way or I eat that way. I just eat foods that make me feel good, period. How do you do with potatoes? It's funny because I used to think I couldn't eat potatoes back in my Weight Watchers days, but I was eating these lonely, dry potatoes. I actually probably once or twice a week, I do eat a nice, big, loaded baked potato. And I am great. I do great with the potato. Yeah, potatoes are like superfoods for me. I realized that when I was still trying to lose weight back in 2015, when I was getting towards my goal weight, I read a book. I talk about this in Delay, Don't Deny. The book is called The Science of Skinny, and it talks about processed foods. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to not eat processed foods for a while. And I was almost at goal. And I actually was losing like two pounds a week. And this is at the end of my weight loss journey. But I was eating so many potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with with so much butter and sour cream on there. 
And that just was like magic for my body. You know, some people would say, well, you should never eat carbs and fat together. Everyone knows that. Well, for me, my body doesn't know that quote rule that people like to talk about. I did great with beans and rice and butter and sour cream and potatoes and vegetables. And when I ate that way, not only did I feel satisfied, I felt good. I had great energy during the fast, but I lost the weight like quicker during that period than you know, when I was being more overly restrictive in other periods and the weight stayed off. Yeah. And, you know, there's something really to be said for really listening to your body. And I would have never said I was an intuitive eater, but I think I have become one. And this past weekend, I always prep my food to take to work. And I was feeling kind of lazy last week. I didn't do like a extensive meal prep. I love to just cook gourmet meals and package them up because there's something really kind of sinful about eating a delicious meal at 1 a.m., but I didn't. And so I just grilled up a bunch of chicken and um, made some salads up. And that's what I ate all weekend at work. I call it spare food. Just like if my hunger is a little bit extra, I have something spare because I don't have a hospital cafeteria. I don't have any options in the middle of the night. So I always throw in a couple extra baked potatoes in my bag that I can make at work. And I got to Sunday night and I looked at my chicken breast and salad and I was like, not feeling it. And so I made a big loaded baked potato and I had some baked beans. And I remember in my head thinking, oh my gosh, this is too many carbs at one meal. Because that's the way my old brain thought was like, you couldn't eat two carbs at the same meal. And I was like, baked potato and baked beans at the same meal. This is way too many carbs. What am I doing? But I ate it. Like my body was directing me to eat it. And I felt amazing that night. That's not the way I normally eat, but that's the way I think I hadn't had enough carbs over the days prior to that. And my body was like, hey, fuel us up with some carbs. Why don't you? Yeah, that's important. It's powerful to start listening to your body. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. This is hard to believe, but we are almost to the end of time here. So I like to end with, what would you tell somebody who's just starting off with intermittent fasting? You know, what advice would you give? Be patient really. This is not like anything you've ever done before. This isn't lose 30 pounds in 30 days. 
this is healing not only your body, not your only your metabolism and your hormones, but for me, I think you're also healing your mind. You are just revolutionizing the way you think about food, the way you think about your body, the way your body responds to the fasting and the feasting. It's all different. And so not only like, do you psychologically have to come terms with what you're doing? I think your body has to come to terms with it. It has to learn to process everything in a different manner. So give your body the time it needs to do that. Give your brain the time it needs to come to terms with this new way of eating, because this can be absolutely life-changing if you give your brain and your body time for it to start showing you what it can do. Because that is what we see so many people that are missing. We look at the magazine at the checkout when we're at the grocery store and I mean, is it just me or have those ads gotten even more ridiculous? No, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, who can lose 30 pounds in 30 days? Yeah, lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Or lose 10 pounds next week. Yeah. (laughs) And so then people come into intermittent fasting and they're like, okay, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in 30 and it's not going to happen. Even if you did just a complete fast or you ate nothing, which, you know, we're not recommending that you do that for 30 days, please don't. But if you did, you're still not going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days that of fat. You're not going to lose 30 pounds of fat. You might lose a lot of water weight and, you know, it's not like what we've done before. We're not promising you that you're going to have this miraculous quick weight loss that you see on these tabloid magazines. And so people don't know what to do when we say, yeah, you might even gain a little weight at first. They're like, what? Right. And I try to pop on and let people know, you know, I will see people say, you know, I initially lost three pounds last week and now the scale's up four pounds and they're in their second week. And I'm just like, patience, because honestly, and I see people say, give it 30 days. No, don't give it 30 days. At least commit to 90 days. Because had I given it 30 days, I would have quit. I started November 19th by the second week of January the scale stopped going up and started coming down. And honestly, by the second week of April, I was at goal. I'm so thankful that I made that commitment and I stuck with it, or I would have never made it to goal. And I could potentially still be searching for the answer and not have it. Yeah, I think I see that with people who get frustrated early in the process and it's not happening quickly enough. And so then they move on to something else. Or, you know, they may have an underlying health condition that's preventing their body from tapping into their stored fat. And you really have to become a detective because there's so many reasons why your body may be holding on to the fat and not releasing it. And you just have to figure out what it is with time and trial and error, you know, because we've done everything else. Right. And I do get a little sad. I notice people will be there and then they get frustrated and they leave. And then more and more, I see them come back to the Delay Don't Deny Facebook group. And they're like, okay, well, I did this last spring and then I stopped and now I'm back and I'm ready to recommit. And I think to myself, I get a little sad because I think, what if you hadn't left? What if you continued to fast for the last six months? Where could you be right now? But I understand everybody has to go through their own journey to get, you know, to the end. But 
I do hate to see people leave and then have to start over again. Yeah, I did that that whole thing from 2009 to 2014. I know that you you know this part of my story, but I first learned about fasting in 2009. And if I had just done it, but I was in that diet mindset that this isn't fast enough. And then I would go on to something else, that next shiny diet that promised me fast weight loss. And then it was just a, a vicious roller coaster till finally stuck for me. Well, I think that speaks to the desperation people feel. We try to hand this to them and they think it can't be that easy, but it is that easy. On that note, we are out of time and I have so enjoyed talking to you and I will see you actually face-to-face in March. I can't wait. We're going on the Delay Don't Deny cruise, the second annual cruise. It's going to be so fun. It is. We'll put a link to the Facebook group for the Delay Don't Deny cruise in the show notes. So if people are interested in cruising with some fabulous fasters... (laughs) And yes, we do have long windows on the cruise. Yes, we do. We do. We do. Yeah, people joked about it when we were going to go on the first one. They're like, so wait, everybody's going to go on a cruise and they're going to fast? <laughs> yes. But, you know, not the whole time. We promise. I'd like to throw this in there. Somebody mentioned to me the other day they would love to go the cruise, but they don't think they're going to have a cruise body by March. And I said, please, please, please do not feel that way. This is not a size or weight restricted cruise. We are there to love and support each other. And I can guarantee you, not one person on that cruise thought about what somebody else looked like in their swimsuit. Absolutely not. You're right. We didn't. If you have a body, congratulations, you have a cruise body. That's exactly right. All right. Well, our time is definitely up and I will talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on.